Hey everyone, welcome back to Vici Mundum Podcast. Uh, this is Anthony Ferguson, the director of Seminarians, and I am, <laughs> and I am surrounded by other directors. Uh, we have in the, in the podcast arena today, uh, to my right, which you don't see uh, because this is audio, uh, is the director of advancement, Austin Farenhold. Hello folks, good to see y'all, glad to be here. And to my left is uh, Tina Wandersee, uh, the director of social ministry here at Our Lady of Mount Carmel Parish. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Excellent. Uh, so this podcast, uh, we were thinking, uh, you know, can just kind of... Let me just oh, give a clarification. Oh, yeah, go for Anthony's it. Anthony's just a seminarian. He's not a director of any seminarians. That's I just, fair. I just feel like we need to say that. <laughs> I am the only seminarian, so there aren't many seminarians to direct. <laughs> that He does direct himself. He mm-hmm. does do that. but Sometimes not even that. <laughs> so. Sorry to interject. I just... I was just trying to get right to business, but you're like derailing me already <laughs> because you're the worst, Austin. It's going to be one I of those podcasts. He's trying to give me the shakedown, so I don't. <laughs> I'm not such a deer in headlights. That's fair. <laughs> no, there's nothing to worry about. We're uh, we're just having a conversation, and uh, as we often like to say, we have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> which, which I, opens the door for us to talk about anything. <laughs> and it's also an opportunity for you to turn this podcast off right now. But please don't do that. Um, no, we're really excited to have Tina here today with us because uh, she uh, runs the outreach office, which is one of the biggest ministries here at Mount Carmel, and it's it makes a huge impact on our community and on our parish. Uh, so, yeah, just I guess we we kind of wanted to talk and find out what your ministry is like, what what your life is like, and uh, most of all, like what is the state of poverty here in Newport News? What is it? What is like? What's on the ground? Yeah, so what is my day-to-day like? Um, I would say um, surprising, chaotic, um, beautiful, and um, uh, we just we really just never know what, what we're going to see. Um, uh, all types of, of people come through and are in our need of, of services, financial um, uh, and or food or otherwise. Um, this area in particular is a, a unique blend of... Um, wealthy, middle class, and those that are living in poverty. So anytime you turn the corner, you can be in a impoverished neighborhood and in the next neighborhood, uh, be in a middle class neighborhood. And it just, it's like that throughout all of Newport News. So, um, so it's, it's, it's a, it's a unique city, I think for that, in that regard, um, you go in and out of pockets of poverty. But um, for us in this area, we have seen uh, over the last uh, eight years uh, a downturn in middle class families. So many Hmm. middle class families um, have gone from being um, self-sufficient middle class families uh, doing well uh, to families who who are struggling uh, with that same income uh, day to day and are uh, not considered in poverty. Uh, but not able to make ends meet. So uh, that is a unique situation uh, for this area. So, Do you get a lot of those people in, into your office? Um, we do. Because we're a church and we don't have requirements that they have to meet uh, being um, uh, in a state that you would consider uh, just barely making ends meet, because we don't have qualifications for that, uh, many people do find that they can come to us and we can help them with their need. Um, I find that in the city of Newport News, you can get fed just about anywhere. So if you're poor, living below uh, the poverty line, on food stamps, 
Um, the city is, you can find a place to eat, lunch, dinner, whatever. But if you're a middle-class family now suffering, um, barely making ends meet, you are the one who is hungry hmm. because you don't qualify to go have lunch here or dinner there or even for food stamps. Mm -hmm. um, so you're like too well off to get exactly, the help that other exactly, people have access to. Exactly, exactly. So you're, so they're the ones who are secretly hungry, who are not mm. being fed. So it, when you come to a, a place like uh, Mount Carmel, a church that doesn't have any um, government regulations on them, sure. then we have the ability to feed um, whoever's hungry, whoever comes to our door and says they're hungry. Um, we have the ability to financially give uh, someone some assistance uh, where the city wouldn't be able to, uh, where they might make $10 too much or $150 too much or even $1,000 too much. So um, so we do have that ability to, to help whoever uh, mm. comes to us in need. Cool. Uh so that's like the that's like the physical need that's here. Um, I guess like what what made you want to get into this work? What what motivated you? <laughs> you know that's interesting because um, this work um, I didn't I didn't ever see myself doing. I, I this wasn't um, this this wasn't something that I said. You know what? I feel strongly about social justice issues, and I think I'm going to. Uh, go help the poor. Um, it wasn't like that at all. Uh, we happened to fall into that category of family uh, who uh, my husband got laid off from his employment, mm. and uh, and he he had uh, a sufficient enough severance to be able to uh, discern what he was going to do. But it meant that um, that I would have to go from being a stay at home mom uh, to working and uh, at this particular phase in my life, uh, uh, I was heavily involved at the church, uh, had grown in my relationship with Christ uh, to the point that I did not want to go back to my career uh, in retail. I was mm -hmm. a, a manager of, of retail and uh, logistics operations. So I didn't want to do that again because that's not what I felt called to do. Mm -hmm. um, so there was an opening at the church for a receptionist and, uh, or actually it was an admin assistant. So I applied for that thinking I can hide out at the back of the church and, and data entry stuff <laughs> and, your and dreams. be happy, you know, visit the blessed sacrament every now and again. <laughs> God and, had um, different plans. And, and so I would just, you know, hunker down at the church and I could call that work and continue about my business, but I didn't get the job and, uh, they gave it to somebody else and, uh, and I did not, uh, I, had I not been encouraged to apply for, uh, the, the position that I'm in now, I would not, it would not have been something I would have gone for. Yeah. I've never, uh, participated mm -hmm. with the church in that, in that way and, um, was not, um, uh, I just was not exposed to the poor in that way. Sure. And they were not on my radar. It's not. Uh, yeah. It's not what I I did. So. So, I wasn't. I didn't get the other job because there there was some knowledge that this job was coming open. And my skills with retail management um, showed that I could manage multiple groups of people doing multiple tasks, and um, and that's what they needed. That's the strength that they needed. So. 
I <laughs> and I I volunteer at the outreach office once a week thereabouts when I'm able and uh, let me tell you there is a lot of moving pieces <laughs> there's like there's people coming in and out and like just there's so much going on it's like a, cl- a flutter of activity and yeah. it's really amazing and everybody I mean I don't know from what I can see everybody works really well together so it's good it's yeah great. they are good they are good that's it so so that piece was a natural charism of mine is just lots of different things you know some people knit and some people paint and some people creatively do whatever i creatively take people and shuffle them around and <laughs> use their abilities where they're needed that's just natural how my born mind people shuffler that's that's what i nice. do shuffle them around <laughs> so tell me about when you started um getting into this world of, mm-hmm. of helping the poor mm-hmm. and social justice what was um, well, we call it the outreach ministry, but you know a lot about Catholic social teaching. Right. What was some of the um, kind of the eye-opening moments as you learn more about Catholic social teaching? Mm-hmm. What really struck you? Anything in particular? Um, Catholic social teaching is one of those things that um, uh, that people want an answer to. Mm-hmm. So when they hear about Catholic social teaching, or if they if they uh, are starting to feel called to help the poor. They want to know what the answer is to do that. What does the Catholic Church teach about that? And the Catholic Church um, teaches various things, seven different things actually, about about how to deal with those those issues that um, socially affect people uh, and make them vulnerable. But it doesn't give you an answer. Like you can talk about any one of them, but it doesn't say in this situation, do X. Right. Okay. It's okay. Not an and instruction that's what, manual. That's what people yeah. want. Okay. And there's a tension between what uh, what I think should be done, what the Lord calls us to do, and um, uh, and how you reconcile that. Okay. So most people um, want to go all in and solve a problem. Uh, and there is no solution um, mm. to some of the things you see with people that are vulnerable. There's not an easy solution. Um, it's 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 case by case, person by person. Uh, it's relational. Mm. Uh, it's relational with you and them. It's relational with you and God. Um, and you make the best decision that you can mm. um, for the person who's most vulnerable. So mm. the Catholic social teaching always points to the most vulnerable. So if you have... Uh, any given situation, you might have three different types of vulnerability, but you have to deal with the one that's most vulnerable in any situation. What's in it, without using anybody's names, obviously, what's an example of that? Do you have any that you can um, think of? Let's see. You know, I could take the school as an example, um, or the campus as an example as a whole. So if we have... Um, you know, there's always a tension between serving the poor and having a school on property. Sure. And, um, you know, what's the, what's the dividing line of, um, of, of being uh, vigilant, uh, knowing that there's people coming on property who are, who are in vulnerable and compromised situations. Yeah. Um, and we don't know about their whole life story. And also um, teaching the faith and teaching uh, uh, in a school that has children. And so... Uh, so in that situation, you have two vulnerabilities. You have uh, children by the very nature of the fact that they're here to learn. Yeah. And you have the vulnerability of the poor coming in um, and coming on property. So who's more vulnerable in that situation? The children who are coming here to learn and have no mm-hmm. idea that anything could go wrong outside of sure. that. Right? Yeah. 
So you tailor what you're doing to make sure that um, that they're the first ones that you watch out for. Hmm. You know. Now, oh, yeah. are they more vulnerable in the sense that they are poor? No, but just in the sense of their uh, their vulnerability is in their naivety their and in innocence, their innocence. Yeah. And I've come to school and this is what I'm doing. They have no idea what's going on over yeah. here. So the idea is, um, so, I mean, that's yeah. the, the best, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. But in any situation you're in, there's always these different vulnerabilities. Um, take um, a mom living in poverty who's um, who, who finds out she's pregnant and wants to uh, abort the baby. Um, who's the most vulnerable in this situation? You know, mom might have her own vulnerabilities, but a baby in the womb who can't speak is the most vulnerable in that right. situation. So there's there's layers of vulnerability. Yeah, that's really interesting. That, that is a tension for, for people. Yeah, I've never really considered that before, that it's, you know, I guess as, as human beings, we all have a vulnerability. Yeah. You know, so then, but then the Catholic social teaching is, is looking at those people who are most vulnerable you know, but that's all situational, right? It's all situational. Yeah. 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 So you can't, there's no one shoe fits all. And so for Catholic social teaching, there's always a tension. I've never mm. been in a discussion that involves Catholic social teaching where a handful of people don't get really heated about the answer because there oh. isn't an answer. Um, there isn't an answer. I mean, I can't tell you uh, that if you go out and buy only products that are made by uh, people that you know aren't working in sweatshops is the solution to the yeah. sweatshops because there's a certain, you know, there's 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 a whole nother side of 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 that that you know that we don't understand. Sure. So there's no there's no answer, and people want answers. They want a list that they can say, "I did this under that, and this under that, and this under mm-hmm. that." And it's it, and life doesn't work like that. It's person right. to person. It's being awake in the moment. It's I'm I'm here today. Who's in front of yeah. me? What have I given them? What have I received from them? How much of myself have I given them? In the age of technology, um, you 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 can lose that. Uh, there's a lot of good things with technology you can connect that in some ways um but ultimately life happens moment to moment person to person and there's nothing outside of this moment that matters other than this moment and how it's used yeah what what you said what you said about like uh we want we want an answer we want a solution we want to check the box like do something that we know is tangible right all right i serve the lord now like boom like I'm, I mean, what came to mind was this past weekend's gospel reading right. when, you know, at the end of time, Jesus is like, you know, you guys served me. You guys fed me when I was hungry. Right. You guys gave me water. You, you clothed me. You visited me. Right. And they had no idea. Right. Like they didn't they know. Say, when did we see you? They didn't know that they could check the box. Right. Right. Like right. they just, right. they just right. lived the life of, of yes. Christ. They yes. lived Christ. And then. Yes. When they, when it came down to like the end of time, they found out. Oh wait, we've been serving God all along. Like we just, right. you know, they weren't concerned with checking boxes. No, no. And I can say yeah. that it, that these things happen organically. So, uh, for instance, uh, we had a, a homeless um, gentleman stop by the um, outreach office this week. He'd been by before, and he came by for food. And uh, one of the volunteers said, "On the heels of the gospel this weekend." I thought, am I not going to open the door? And so she opened the door and let him in. Um, But she had said that there was some kind of connection that she had with him. This wasn't his first time to the church, but there are moments, um, people see this, uh, mothers see this, fathers see this. You see this in any walk of life if you are connected 
Uh, one, yeah. if you are uh, relational uh, with the Lord, if you have a relationship with him, and then you then take that to the people around you, uh, you will have those moments, we all do uh, in the outreach office, and I know that people that don't even do outreach have them, where you feel as if you have just looked at God, or that there's been like hmm. a small moment where yeah. you thought, that was I Christ. see you, Christ. Wow. You know, <laughs> and we do this all the time in the outreach, you know, and she had that moment with this this man where she just thought, I'm serving Christ. Now, you don't have yeah. it every time you meet that person. It's it's one of these glimpses. You know, I've yeah. been in the homeless, in the port shelter, and have somebody's asked me, one of the one of the one those suffering homelessness has asked me, uh, will you put some eye drops in my eye? And I've gone to do it, and I uh, and just had a moment of Whoa. putting this a drop Christ. in, in Christ's <laughs> eye. Now, I saw him the next year and didn't have that connection. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not like you can create these. But yeah. people have these um, these moments um, and they are serving. They are serving Christ. Um, it doesn't mean that that person is Christ to the point that, you know, they're holy and, and they're doing everything right in their right. life. But they're just snapshots that the Lord does give us if we're paying attention. Yes. And the idea is to be awake and paying attention. I have people ask me to come and talk about um, issues of of the poor and uh, Catholic social teaching and whatever else. And I think I always fall short of what they expect me to say because I always say to that it is relational. It is person to person. I challenge you to look around you, to hear what's going on, to see what's happening, and to, um, and to engage there. Uh, mm-hmm. You all have people in your family who are poor and vulnerable, mm-hmm. who are on the outside, the periphery of the family, who yeah. aren't on the inside so for whatever reason. And it's <clears throat> easier to serve the homeless person that you don't know than it is to invite the person who's set aside, who's right. put themselves yeah. on the outside of the family. Because I might never see that person again. Absolutely. Like, I mean, maybe in And eternity. you don't know their story. <laughs> you don't know their story. Yeah. They haven't done anything to you. You don't know their yeah. story. It's easier in some way. It's easier in some way, yes. We and, but we are, a... the challenge is to feed the hungry. When you feed a baby, yeah. you're feeding the hungry. Yeah. Babies are hungry. Often. They are. Very often. You know, when someone says, I'm Dad, hungry. get me a glass of <laughs> water. Hungry. Or you're outside working in the yard and you say, Claire, get me a glass of water or yeah, you know, give... a bourbon. <laughs> hey, now you're talking. So whatever no, the case may be, you're, that's, you're that's true. Yeah. For, and, you know, I don't know if that's what Jesus meant when he said, I thirst. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. Not vinegar, bourbon, please. He didn't. But those are the moments, really, you know, um, like if right. I ask my daughters, you know, over the years, I've asked my daughters, get me something to drink, seriously, and they've done it without complaining, I tell them, you've just, you've just given and drink to the thirsty. Wow. Whoa. You know, um, Claire and I have had that conversation before, my wife Claire, that um, we've looked at, um, we have the Beatitudes on our wall so we can mm-hmm. see them and we talk about the works of yeah. mercy. And uh, someday I kind of want to map this out, but just in, in our discussions, we both have decided that all of the works of mercy can be practiced right in our own yes. house with our kids yes. and with, with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all right there. We really don't have to go you know, you don't. run to Isn't some it? ministry or start something else. No, it's you right don't. There. You don't. You don't. Didn't Mother Teresa say something like that? Yes. Like, oh, you want to serve the poor? Like, yes. go and love your, your family. family. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> go and love your family. Yeah, they are because you have, it doesn't matter how affluent the family, there is always somebody outside of it. Yeah. Mm. There's always somebody outside of the family. Right. And uh, there is always, um, you can find enough chaos and um, oh, and yeah. uh, problems within any one family. The thing I notice uh, in the outreach office is that so often people come in if they are affluent and they're shocked by 
their current situation, uh, whether it be financial or whatever else. Uh, and I, I try to let them know that this is not abnormal. <laughs> you know, it's not abnormal to be here asking for money. It's not abnormal to have a, a crisis in the family. It is, it, is actually, it is actually not the norm to not ever to see not any happen. crisis. Uh, and what we do as a society, unfortunately, is we mask that and we hide that so nobody can see it. Mm. And um, But from my vantage point, something that I have enjoyed over the last eight years of doing what I'm doing, uh, I look out around us at the church um, in the configuration that we are face-to-face, and there is not one place I look. I don't get the um, the liberty of saying or the uh, naivety of looking around me and saying, isn't this a, a lovely and perfect and mm. beautiful parish? Yeah. I look around me and that one has cancer and this one lost somebody and that one is suffering a financial difficulty and this one over here. Unfortunately, to each other, we all look very perfect and right. fixed. Right. And imagine and so, the sight of God, yeah. like what he's able to see. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but the beautiful part about us is the brokenness. And mm-hmm. so I think if you let people into that, then they're not on the outside of it. Then they don't, then they don't suffer their crisis as bad knowing this is just who we are as a people, vulnerable. And and how are we, speaking of the Beatitudes, merciful enough to allow people to come back to the table? Mm-hmm. Um, when we stand um, in a place uh, uh, and, and, and we don't give people an opportunity to come off of the stage that they're on of being um, in trouble, so to speak, um, then, you know, then we're not then we're, we're, we're actually not being Christ to them. I mean, you have to be, you have to have a, a merciful, be merciful enough that no matter what somebody has done to you, they can come back into your presence. Mm. And uh, that's a hard thing to do. That's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That was something that uh, um, I'm, I'm doing kind of a Bible study thing with a group of guys. And we, we challenged each other that this Thanksgiving, let's just sit beside the person that we would least want to sit beside with our family members. Mm-hmm. And it was really powerful when we came back because mm-hmm. it was like, you know, I I would not normally have done that yeah, because yeah. I just want to go and enjoy myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's very healing. Yes. You know, they sit beside that yes. person and yes. engage with yes. them rather than yes. just avoid yes. it. Yeah. Well, and the problem is, is that communication is so important. The minute we are outside of communication, the minute families are broken in some way from communicating, uh, people just backfill stories and, and create scenarios oh, yeah. that aren't there. It's not funny which how Which causes a greater division, but... You know, isn't that the devil's plan to divide and separate? It's kind of like sin. If you've separated off and you're sinning and you continue to sin, and uh, then that's where the devil wants you, alone right. and isolated. And then people backfill stories, and before you know it, uh, they've created in their head a whole scenario that isn't even happening. Right. Because um, we're not willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. So right, often. Right. And, we and here's we the make thing. so many assumptions. And, and here's the thing. We do the same things. Yeah. And um, and so you would think you would give somebody, if you know yourself, you give somebody the benefit right. of the doubt. You know, like all day long, I'm like, well, this is what I would do in that situation. So I got to believe, you know, they yeah. don't mean to do what they're yeah. doing, you know. And I think at the heart of that is like when we when we think, when we set out to serve the poor, we can't forget that we are poor. Like Exactly. Mm, like well said. We're poor. And exactly. unless we realize that, then we're not going to help anybody. Exactly. So... As we as we wrap up this podcast, like first of all, thank thank you so much, Tina, for joining us today. This, I I really enjoyed our conversation. 
I mean, I'm, I really want to ask the question, though, maybe like to kind of close this out. And it, it, it might sound like a downer question, but uh, I, think it's, I think it could be fruitful and helpful. Could you like tell us an example of a moment when you weren't able to help someone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's somebody who sticks out in my mind. It's been seven years. Um, she had come in and uh, uh, was crying. She had a bad, uh, she was in a bad situation. And uh, I had said something to her that, you know, I've said to people before and uh, and they've been fine with it and moved on. But saying it to her, um, it, I mean, it was just the worst situation you could imagine. And there's nothing to say. You know, what can you say? But um, the Lord is there and um, and pray with them. And uh, so in doing this, she just went went off. She just said, nothing is good. And how can you talk about God? And who is God? Oh, wow. And how does God, you know, help me in this? And I understand who God is. And, and I've prayed to God. And I've done all of this. And this is still my situation. Nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, honestly, I don't, I don't remember what I said to her after that. Um, she uh went um uh went went off and it ended i don't remember how but i remember immediately walking out of the outreach office door going up the street and just crying for about wow. 20 minutes um because there's nothing there's what can i say it's the yeah. truth there there you know sometimes there's just silence and there's just pain um She's never left my mind, but um, what floods to my mind and how I help people, because in the outreach office we get, this isn't, I could tell you 30,000 stories of sure. <laughs> times that we haven't been able to help, and, and um, I've seen poverty uh, at its depth. Um, uh, but, um, and poverty not in the sense of being poor, but of, of just like destitution well like like her poverty was yes she was poor but her real poverty was where is god Mm -hmm. hopelessness i've sat with people who can't speak english uh, have done the same thing to me and said and i can't even speak english to communicate to be so poor as to not even have a language in Mm. your new country to me that's you know it's not might not be financial but it's true poverty but at any rate uh, i went up and uh cried up the street from that, uh, I tell the team uh, the the image that I had and I continue to have is of Mary at the foot of the cross. Mm. And um, uh, she stays at the foot of the cross. She doesn't uh, scream at God. Uh, she doesn't ask for him to be taken off the cross. She doesn't try to take him off the cross. She just stays there. Mm. Uh, and so that image for me even supersedes not being able to help somebody. Um, I don't... Uh, it's not my place to take somebody off their cross. It's not my place to fix somebody. My place is to be with them at their cross. And even if I didn't have the answers for this woman, I was at the foot of her cross uh, and, and, and listened to her as she um, uh, railed against uh, what was happening to her. Um, and I think that that's the only place we can be. Uh, we're called to be with somebody. Uh, and just to just say one more word about that, um, somebody working in the outreach office uh, recently, she said, Tina, I can't get this woman who called out of my mind. And she said, I just think of her and her, her, you know, her eyes welled up with tears. And I said, yeah. I said, but you're praying for. Her. I said, 
you didn't know who she was uh, the day before yesterday, but one thing's for sure, she's not alone. Yeah. She hasn't left your mind. Mm. She might feel alone, but she's not alone. Mm. You're thinking of her, and she's on your mind. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's something really meaningful about that, even yeah. if we don't see it. Every contact we have with somebody is extraordinarily meaningful. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're awake to it, we grow deeper uh, into Christ. If we're not, we miss that grace. You know that my wife said something kind of haunting like that, where she said, uh, "We rarely ever miss a text message, but how often do we miss the messages from God?" Mm-hmm. And it's like that, you know, mm-hmm. that every every encounter that we have with somebody is an encounter with Christ. Mm-hmm. But how often do we just keep walking right. and not see it? Man, we keep quoting your wife. We have to bring her on the podcast. <laughs> we do. <laughs> she's I, pretty, like, she, I like her. She's pretty holy, so maybe maybe we will get her on here. All right. Clean up this act. <laughs> Tina, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing with mm-hmm. us today. And thank you for all the work that you do here. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it, I know I know it really impacts everything that we do here as a parish. So it's really awesome. Thank so, you. Great. Yeah. Well, that's all we got for you today, today, folks. I think, right? Is there anything else, Austin? Uh, it's, I, I can't add. I can't add a single thing. <laughs> Shout out to Austin's wife, Claire. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and Tina's family, who are very gracious and and support her in all her work. Yeah, yeah. very good. So. All right. Well, uh, as we close out this episode of Vichy Mundum, uh, I would just ask you to to please pray for all the people that uh, the outreach office serves on a daily basis. Uh, continue to intercede for them uh, that they would not be alone in their suffering um, even if we're not able to fix all the stuff that, that's going on in their lives um, so yeah this was kind of a heavy heavy topic today but a good topic so uh, from all of us here at Vici Mundum uh, please pray for us we'll keep praying for you and uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel pray, pray for, for us. us the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing their love of Christ with you. God bless you.